FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 177 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason. Funeral fake out minimal. And I'm bringing you a uh, bonus flashback episode for Wolverine in year 14, part 1.5. One and a half. <laughs> Originally, we were just going to do part two, but, you know, um, some things have kind of uh, pushed some other things back, and I admittedly have not been able just haven't been able to put out as much content this month as I would normally hope to. Uh, so I wanted to uh, get something out, and so we're going to kind of take a look at a loosely in continuity uh, issue of Uncanny X-Men. Uh, that's issue number 228. Um, so remember where we are with the X-Men. We just did Fall of the Mutants in our last flashback episode. And as far as the uncanny side, as far as the Wolverine part of that goes, you know, this is the podcast that goes nicked. Um, as far as the world then knows, and as far as uh, Marvel Comics goes, the world, the universe of Wolverine, as far as they know, the X-Men bit the big one, saving the world. They were finally kind of documented as heroes, and then they disappeared. And of course, the... Uh, the goddess slash life force slash sustaining spirit, whatever, Roma, um, offered the X-Men a chance to kind of start over, be reborn, whatever they wanted to be. Um, that they were truly heroes and, you know, she knew maybe that her life wasn't so great and they could get a chance to start over. And so the last we saw in the X-Men... Um, they had decided to take Roma up on that offer, and we had a hint uh, in just in the in the text of where they might be going, but story-wise, we really had no idea. We just knew they were going to go somewhere new. In fact, Roma even offered it could be anywhere in space or time, so they could go, you know, to the past, to the future, or whatever. And of course, um, as Cameron and I talked about last time, they're you know, I I love what they ended up doing, what Claremont did, where he ended up going. But there's also kind of a, I wouldn't mind having seen kind of an alternate version of that story where the X-Men literally are kind of like the time bandits and maybe they just kind of, I think as Cameron coined it, quantum leap for Wolverine and the X-Men. Um, could have been some pretty sweet stories, but, you know, Instead, we, we'll get what we get. We'll get to that next episode. This story really is kind of just a segue, almost a filler issue in, in issue number 228. But, you know, sometimes filler can be really good. Sometimes it's not so good. You know, it just, just depends on, on the story told. So let's talk about this book. It is... Deadly Games, written by Chris Claremont, with guest pencils by Rick Leonardi. 
is kind of the go-to guest penciler of for Uncanny X-Men in the late 80s. You know, he kind of pops in every every here and a little bit uh, during, he did that during Romita's run and will also do it during Silvestri's run. You know, at least in kind of the, the 85 to 88 area. Um, guest inker, Terry Austin, that's always always a good thing. Bill Ray is a colorist on this one. We've had both not so good things and really good things to say about him. So we'll see kind of how his ex-career evolves here. Um, Tom Orzakowski is a letterer. And you know, uh, I missed something that, that John Wilson, uh, at John Reads Comics, by the way, was very uh, polite to point out. Uh, I believe it was 225, he said. Um, a couple issues ago, actually, we, we would have missed it during during our last episode. Um, was the hundredth episode, or not not hundredth episode? Sorry, the hundredth issue that Tom Orchakowski lettered. Let me go to his exact tweet. Here's what he had to say. He said, um, "Yeah, that Uncanny X Men two twenty five was Tom Orchakowski's hundredth." X-Men issue to letter. And that's pretty badass. And I'm sorry we missed that. He actually sent me a little picture of what looks like he uh, used a computer pen to draw on. Apparently on the wall when Roma is in disguise talking to Colossus. I remember in Scotland. And they, they were sitting on a brick wall and there's some graffiti and stuff. Apparently he kind of signed it like you know with the hundredth thing. So let's see if I blow this up. Yeah, it says ORS, O-R-Z, 100th. And so that's pretty cool. And thank you, John, for pointing that out. I'm sorry that Cameron and I missed that. Um, pretty big omission, I think, on our part. But, you know, our crack research team found it and sent it back to us. And so during our Fall of the Mutants episode, we should have mentioned that. Because um, that's a pretty pretty damn big deal, a pretty big accomplishment. For, for Tom Orjakowski. And I know that um, I think it's Jack uh, has talked about, he's kind of talked to Tom Orjakowski kind of here and there. Um, so, you know, that's cool. Uh, so shout out to that. Um, but anyway, back to this issue, which I guess would be his 103rd issue of the X-Men No Letter. Um, the cover is by... Rick Leonardi and Terry Austin. And it's a pretty sweet cover. It's a um, kind of a funeral service. There's like curtains and flowers and candles and then kind of like a marble kind of statue. And it's an angel. Probably not angel like the mutant X-Men angel, but just a general angel. And, uh, He's holding the slouched bodies of Wolverine and Dazzler. And on the bottom of the cover, it says, In Memoriam. Which is a little bit deceiving. Uh, first of all, if you're reading the series, you know the X-Men didn't really die. It was just perceived that they died. And then Roma saved them. But, you know, as far as the world knows, they're dead. So there still could, in theory, be a funeral, right? Okay. But as a reader, you know they're not really dead. But, let's say you were intermittently buying the X-Men, or 
who were interested in the X-Men but hadn't read it yet back in 1987, and you see this on the shelf or at your local grocery store or Walden Books or wherever you bought your comics back back when you could buy comics at, at multiple places back in the day. Um, you saw this and you're like, whoa, what the hell? The X-Men died. Whoa, I got to pick this up and read this. I mean, I guess it's the, uh, the old comic version of clickbait. <laughs> But it probably would have worked on me had I been collecting currently at that time. I think at this time I had just started kind of getting into G.I. Joe barely, like hit and miss, um, and starting to get ready to get into the Punisher, which I think I got into 88, 89, that time period. Um, yeah, so like I, I think I said during the last flashback episode with Cameron, we're getting very close to a point to where the series of back issues that when I first started buying uncanny back issues, like after I really got into the X-Men in the 90s, like most people did after the the big Jim Lee, Claremont kind of kickoff of the adjectiveless X-Men. You know, these are kind of the issues that were readily available the last kind of last several years before the title split. Um, so we're getting really close to where I started kind of buying the back issues and trying to fill in my original gaps as far back as I could afford to go as a kid. Um, so yeah, so we're getting really close to that. But um, had I been collecting at the time when this came out, I would have really dug this cover. And I still did this cover quite a bit. Um, looks really nice. The only thing I would say, the way they shaded it, it's all great. Except for Wolverine's mouth kind of looks like instead of Wolverine, it's like the limp, deceased body of a clown. <laughs> he has a really dark, really thick shadow around his mouth that looks like big old lips. And um, this looks like clown makeup, and partially because the statues are white. So you have a white face and then the big, dark, black lips. And it looks looks a lot like a, like a clown or maybe even less politically correct, almost like a bad stereotype, like a cartoon, like either old, like like bad racist cartoons <laughs> that maybe or maybe weren't intending to be that way, but definitely are, for better or for worse. You know, like really old uh, racial stereotypes, like a Looney Tunes or, or whatever. But, um... I, I prefer to think of it as more looking like a clown. I want to stay more positive and less destructive. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's a great cover. The colors are really nice. The art's really nice. Of course, Terry Austin, very deft inker, um, very adept. Looks. This is a really, really nice cover. Um, so what happens in this issue? You may be asking yourself, well... OZ or Oz um, gets a letter from Dazzler about one of their shared adventures with Wolverine. And this is what happened, according to the letter. So uh, Wolverine interrupted Dazzler's danger room session, distracting her. He's kind of a jerk to her, so she uh, hits the showers, which will be a recurring theme going forward, Dazzler hitting the showers. Just take that for what you will. Um, Psylocke reads a news article in the newspaper about a Florida werewolf 
and Dazzler recognizes OZ, the bounty hunter that she had uh, several run-ins with. He was kind of one of the uh, supporting cast members of the Dazzler solo series. So uh, Dazzler goes to help him, presumably by herself. She doesn't want any help from the X-Men. It's a personal matter, she says. Meanwhile, in Florida, a mutant fries an old man. He becomes a crispy critter thanks to this mutant in a car. Dazzler arrives in Miami, where she is surprised by Wolverine in a Hawaiian shirt, which would be surprising. Not normally his um, sense of style. <laughs> so he went from the Western shirt, uh, it's kind of wet in Florida. Uh, he wore his nice little Hawaiian print shirt. Um, she explains who Cerebrus is to him and the connection to OZ. And so she doesn't think that, well, the press maybe thought that OZ was kind of like a, a wolf creature because he was, well, we'll get to that. But she says, no, it's not really him, but he has this dog, Cerebrus, who's, you know, it could have been, could have something to do with him. And I got to figure out what's going on. got to get to the bottom of it. Um, so Wolverine agrees to help. Uh, they kind of walk off. Wolverine notices they have a tail and takes pretty short order, takes care of him. Um, Dazzler, meanwhile, gets to the jail but isn't allowed to visit OZ, but she leaves dejected and she finds Cerebrus. Uh, Wolverine fake gets drunk and gets thrown in the drunk tank with the intent of talking to Oz. I'm sorry, OZ. Uh, there are periods after, but those are initials. So it's not the, the bounty hunter of Oz, which should have been my nickname. That's better than what I said. Um, anyway, um, so he gets thrown in the fake drunk tank to uh, to get close to OZ in prison, but some muscle for hire show up to take care of OZ. So Wolverine takes care of them first, and then he busts OZ out of jail. Back at the hotel, OZ explains that his last bounty was a glowing mutant. Um, but when he cornered the mutant, the mutant framed him for murder. Like he killed a bunch of people and then knocked out OZ and uh, basically made it look like OZ killed him. And someone saw a wolf-type creature sneaking off, and then they saw OZ, so they assumed. <laughs> Even though I'm guessing this mutant uses powers, so these guys are probably also fried or burnt or whatever. So even if they did see a wolf leaving, did they think it was like a fire wolf? Like, I don't really understand. But it is Florida. I mean, 90% of dumb criminal stories in this country come from Florida. If you don't believe me, listen to the uh, Scarborough County podcast. They uh, take headlines for, for all the stupid things that, that dumb criminals do. And literally, okay, maybe not 90, but literally like half of those stories are from Florida. And I like Florida. I've been there since enjoyable place to visit. I'm just just saying what I'm saying. Yeah. Read into it what you will. Um, I want to go back to Destin. If anyone wants to take me to Destin or send me some tickets, it's a nice beach. Um, though I did almost drown uh, in Panama City in the Gulf. That was really scary. So, you know, love-hate relationship with the... Uh, the little dingle dangle of the U.S. Um, where was I? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, this mutant who's on the run. Mutant on the run! Yeah, frames OZ and kind of inadvertently Cerebrus. Um, 
but when Wolverine hears the story, he asks for a picture. Turns out Wolverine knows the mutant in question from his spy days when he was an agent for the Canadian government. He ran into this this guy, this mutant, who was a Russian spy. Um, I don't think they intent actually specifically mention KGB, but that's kind of the feel you get. Um, kind of reminds you of uh, the Wolverine Spider-Man's uh, one-shot, where they went to Eastern Bloc Europe and had some run KGB run-in and stuff like that. Which would make sense. I mean, Wolverine was a spy during the Cold War for Canada, and who you gonna who you gonna run into? You're gonna run into Russians and East Eastern Germans and whatnot. So, you know, I'm sure he has a long list of uh, people he knows that were KGB or or associated. Um, but yeah, so he he recognizes the Russian mutant uh, suddenly. Henry Peter Geirich shows up to stress the importance of the Russian mutant. He's a defector, and he might have lots of information about the Russian mutant program. And, you know, we haven't touched on it in a while, but remember with him and Valerie Cooper and kind of leading up to the Mutant Registration Act, there was kind of this hint kind of the, that the U.S. government kind of recognize that mutant or maybe superpowers in general, but that the countries were kind of in an arms race, if you will, to kind of like one-up, make sure they have the best power, the most powers, you know, the best mutants and or superheroes, whatever. And so, you know, Guy Rich not only wants this guy for his powers, but for the information he might have on what the Russians are doing, what, what mutants they've accumulated. And so he just stresses that, that they got to find this guy. they got to save this guy. You know, he kind of went on the lam after he uh, shook OZ, you know, and got him busted and thrown in jail. He's He's been, you know, on the run ever since. And Peter, I'm sorry, yeah, Henry Peter Guyrich uh, wants Wolverine's help. He needs his skills. I'm a man of a certain set. I botched that. How, what's the line from uh, Taken? A very specific set of skills, a very certain set of skills, whatever. Um, Wolverine's that guy. And, you know, Wolverine has some history with Guy Rich. Not real happy with him at the moment, um, probably because some of the mutant registration stuff is going on. And um, doesn't really want to help, but Guy Rich offers to clear OZ's name. I don't know what patsy they're going to set up because obviously he's not going to turn in the real culprit who's the Russian defector mutant that he wants to protect. But someone's going to take the fall and it's not going to be OZ. OZ will be in the clear um, if Wolverine will help find the Russian mutant. And they say his name. Um, is Claremont went really like Eastern Bloc Russian on it. It's a little bit hard to say, but let me see if I can, can find it and read it for you. Um, I'll give it my best shot. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm going to say... Oh, wait. got to finish the song. Do, 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 Um... Vladimir Semyonovich Zaitsev. 
Zayatsev, Vladimir Semyonovich Zayatsev. That's that's my that's what I'm going with. Um, so yeah, that's who that's who Wolverine knew, and that's who Gyrich wants. Um, and to help his friend Dazzler's friend Oz, he agrees that he'll he'll track down. Uh, I already forgot Vladimir. We'll go with Vlad. Uh, uh, he's going to track him down and help kind of get everybody square. Um, so Wolverine tracks him in the swamp where Dazzler and company join him. So Dazzler, uh, Oz, and Cerebrus are. are you know, it's funny because she kind of plays the card that Wolverine played earlier. You know, she had gone off by herself. She had to take care of this by herself. It was a personal business. And Wolverine was like, all right, gotcha, go. See you later. And then booked a flight to Miami <laughs> to back her up. Um, so Wolverine's like, all right, this mutant, this guy, Vladimir's really dangerous. Um, I'm the one that can track him. I have to go, but y'all don't have to go. Don't put yourself in danger. I'll take care of it. I'll go. And then uh, Dazzler and OZ and Cerebra show up in the swamp, and Dazzler's like, you really think I would listen? You didn't listen to me. Why would I listen to you? You know, turn about as fair play, if you will. So um, that's what they do. So Wolverine finds them. They tussle in the swamp. Uh, no, let me rephrase that. There's a Roth in the swamp. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> That's that's better than Rumble in the Jungle. Romp in the Swamp. Um, but, you know, he runs off again. Um, kind of burns Wolverine. And of course, he's going to heal. He's got a healing factor, but it still hurts. He runs off. Um, but Dazzler blinds him, so he's kind of running blind. Uh, they find him again. Wolverine shreds him, slices him across the chest. Uh, the Russian gets pissed. And he yells for Gyrich and says, the deal's off. You said you want me, you will protect me. You're not protecting me. Not only that, even if you save me, I'm not going to help you unless you execute these fools. So you kill Wolverine, you kill Dazzler, then, you know, I will turn state information or whatever. Um, I'll participate in your Cold War antics. I'll be your Cold War kid. Um, good band, by the way. Um, yeah, so he's yelling at Guy Rich, you know, just he's just the deal's off unless you kill Wolverine and, and these mutants. Um Cerebrus takes umbrage with that. And uh apparently question mark eats him underwater question mark. He like jumps on him, they go underwater, then you see like blood come up to the top of the water, and then Cerebrus comes out of the water, kinda of shakes off like old yeller and getting out of the out of the lake. Um, and that's it for poor old Electric Vlad. Um, obviously, Guy Rich is pissed about losing his asset, but the X-Men here, or at least our two X-Men and our bounty hunters, don't care. Um, so then we kind of go back to, to current time as Oz is finishing the letter. Um, he sees a paper about the X-Men dying. So he sees the news story. Um, and then different people are also reading the paper in this bar that he's at. Because, you know, most people at the bar are reading the news. They're reading, you know, the paper. <laughs> and um, 
people express their different myriad opinions. Uh, Muni scum, or they're not so bad, or good riddance, whatever. And OZ pulls out his shotgun. Yeah, you know, because that's you know another thing often you do in a bar. <laughs> good thing to mix alcohol and twelve gauges. Um, he's like, you take it back. Then you all say nothing bad, and then he leaves, and he reminisces about Dazzler and how he's going to miss her. Um, so several kind of things. Well, first of all, let's talk about some other kind of in-panel highlights that I kind of skimmed over. So when Wolverine interrupts Dazzler in the danger room, uh, there's some lasers being shot, and Wolverine lights his cigar in the laser. <laughs> pretty awesome, pretty classic. Um... We also find out, we get some more hints to Wolverine's kind of spy games past. Guy Rich was actually uh, Wolverine's CIA liaison when he was a Canadian agent. So, whenever he had to interact or talk with the CIA, Guy Rich was the guy he had to deal with. I'm sure they had some good times and some bad times, but Wolverine definitely knows him and doesn't really seem to care for him whether it's personal from the past or personal with what he's doing currently. Um, probably some of both. I'm probably just, I mean, how many liaisons do you think Wolverine got along with? <laughs> probably not many. Um, so it's a little different. You know, talking about the cover and kind of being a fake out because the X-Men aren't really dead. I was also thinking about what this issue would be today. Like, if the X-Men kind of fake their deaths, and then we need like a month to kind of get up, caught up to what we're going to do next, and we need a filler issue, this worked really well. Today, what this would be, and what I wouldn't have minded seeing, though we'll talk about what I, what I feel about this issue in a minute, but I wouldn't have minded also seeing another good option that would have happened today. We know that like, A, that guy, the NPR guy, was doing all the like, television feed and the reporting from the fall of the mutant storyline in Dallas as it concerned the Uncanny X-Men. Not all the apocalypse part, but the Dallas stuff. Um, Dallas, Texas. Um, big D. So anyway, that story. Also, OZ's reading the newspaper. Uh, an option we might see for a kind of fill-in story today would be actually kind of reading the article from the paper. Maybe it's set up like an article or, you know, with just a few lines per page with some kind of images, maybe even all splash pages. I could definitely see that happening in modern comics. But I kind of like this one. Um, that he's reading an old letter. Maybe, you know, we're not real sure whether he saw the paper and then read the letter whether he read the letter and then looked down and was like, oh shit, when he saw the paper. I kind of think that maybe he already had the letter and when he saw that Dazzler was dead, he kind of pulled the letter back out. But we just don't know kind of his motivation until the end of the story where we as the reader see the paper. Uh, but I could be wrong. Um, if anybody has an opinion about that, please uh, you know, send a Facebook, Facebook message or a tweet or whatever. Um, that would be cool. Um... Another thing, all right, well, first of all, I really enjoyed the art. Uh, the combination of Leonardi and Austin, I thought worked really well. And also, for the most part, 
David Ray did a pretty good job on the colors. Um, there's some stuff where Wolverine, when people are in shadow, kind of odd coloring, but overall, and the, the tail in Miami was either very sunburned or a little pink for his own good. But you know what? If he was related to either the Russians or whatever, then, you know, come from Russia, spent a few days in Miami, probably got pretty sunburned. So I'll just go with that. I'll say it's not a bad color choice. Um, but I thought the colors are really good. I know we have been both hard on Ray and complimentary, but I thought thought they worked well in this issue, especially when the scenes where Wolverine gets thrown in jail and then kind of the lights go off, lights out, uh, kind of the purple and blue hues during that scene are really, really good. So actually pretty good job on the colors. So visually, this book is just really pretty great. Um, I know people have different opinions on Leonardi and his style. It wasn't as cartoony this issue um, as it can be. It definitely, it definitely is still him. So there's definitely some of that, but it's not as extreme as he can be sometimes. Um, but I really, really dug the way this book looked. Now, how do I feel about the story? I have made no bones about my kind of general distaste for Dazzler. And Dazzler, by the way, this is her letter that Ozzy's reading. She's narrating the whole story. Um, first of all, it's kind of weird that she would write a story to OZ about something where he was there. I mean, you know, we're seeing her point of view and kind of her thoughts of the, some things. But, I mean, he, he was right there the whole time. Maybe she filled in and connected some dots. Maybe she never told him about, you know, how... Wolverine came to back her up and how much she appreciated that. Or, I don't know, but almost as soon as they break him out of jail, like, he's in every piece of the story. So, he had a pretty good idea of what happened. But for whatever reason, Dazzler wrote him a letter about it anyway. Um, and it works for the story as far as providing the nostalgia and kind of the, the kind of, a tale, a story that's in continuity because of the newspaper and the where OZ is. But out of continuity in that most of the story takes place in kind of a nondescript time uh, before Fall of the Mutants. <laughs> but like I said, made no bones, don't not really a Dazzler lover. And first of all, while this is a Dazzler story, and while Claremont really used the opportunity, or took the opportunity, to use supporting, kind of leftover supporting cast from the Dazzler solo series, which had recently ended. Um, he got a chance to kind of say, this is where they're going, or, you know, here's another story with these guys. Um, so while it's very much a Dazzler story, it is just as much a Wolverine story. Uh, we find out little bits and pieces about his past some more, uh, his kind of past connection to Gyrich, Gyrich. I don't know, how do people like to say that? Someone send me a phonetic tweet on Henry Peter Guyrich. Um, you know, yeah, lots of good Wolverine details, lots of good Wolverine action. Uh, the fake getting drunk. And the good thing about him faking getting drunk is because of his healing factor, you know, he can drink so much. So he can drink a copious amount of alcohol. 
not really be drunk, but smell like an absolute like lush. And so if he acts a little bit drunk and it's all over his breath still, then obviously he's going to get arrested. So the idea of him kind of faking out the police to get thrown in the drunk tank, I thought was pretty ingenious. Um, so lots of really good Wolverine moments, which make this story pretty great. Um, also, shocker, I actually kind of like Dazzler in this story, the way Claremont writes her, and even more of a shocker, maybe, I really love this team-up. This story was, was really fun, and Dazzler kind of, and maybe it's just because we're moving away from the whole, yeah, she's still kind of out of place, and she still is hesitant about kind of jumping in with both feet to being an X-Men. We don't have, like, the whole disco thing anymore so much, or her, like, meeting with record executives or whatever. Like, she still has a personality. She still has kind of her conflict, her inner struggle. But some of the things that were cheesier about her, uh, not, I don't want to say they're stripped away or left behind. They're just not used as much. So it's, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I really, I know there already was the uh, the Beauty and the Beast miniseries, which I've never read, by the way, but um, has Dazzler and the Beast, um, which I'm sure was fun in its own right, but probably a little cheesy. Um, that said, going back in time, reading this story and the way Claremont handled it, I could have totally have gotten behind a separate Beauty and the Beast miniseries with Dazzler and Wolverine for several different reasons. A, like I said, I haven't read the actual one, so I don't know the interplay between Dazzler and Beast. But the thing about Beast, and I love the Beast. I love Henry McCoy, a great character. Think about the Beast, though. He looks like a beast. But he's a very jovial, you know, I mean, super smart, usually pretty friendly, um, kind of fun-loving by nature, kind of light-hearted. And Dazzler is kind of, when she's not moping about, you know, her place in the world, um, she's pretty light, light-hearted too. So, like I said, having not read the series, I'm assuming... It was more two peas in a pod than kind of the dichotomy and juxtaposition of Wolverine as a beast compared to Dazzler's beauty, whereas he's you know, a lot gruffer, rough around the edges, gives Dazzler a really hard time, but as it turns out, actually like respects her and wants what's best for her. I, I wouldn't have minded seeing their relationship kind of delved into deeper and I know we'll get some of that going forward in Uncanny, but it'll be in the team setting. I really enjoyed seeing them as kind of, I know we had Ozzy and Cerebrus, but really kind of the Dazzler Wolverine team up with the one and one, like just the two of them. Just, I don't know, it just really worked, and I would have, I, I'm, believe me, listeners, I'm surprising myself as much as I'm surprising you by saying this, and, and, Hopefully Cameron won't listen to this episode because I don't want to have to justify myself <laughs> next time we record. But um, this it just something about this really really worked. Something about even her narration. Um, and like I said, it's still dazzling. It's still her personality. It's still kind of 
uh, what's the word? Not mall rat kind of isn't the same thing, or, or valley girl is not right, but and I don't mean this in a dumb way, but a little bit ditzy, but still smart and still having like I don't know, having fun, not being too serious. Um, we definitely see kind of some like you know doesn't always adjust real well to less than pristine conditions, stuff like that. Um, we'll have some of that going forward, I think, particularly uh, in a fun way, I think. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. But anyway, uh, I'm repeating myself. Really love the team-up. Love the art. Love the writing. The, the story was cool for the most part. I mean, a bounty hunt gone wrong. Wolverine and Dazzler have to clean it up. Um, they stick it to the CIA or to the, they stick it to basically the, the people that are trying to register and hunt mutants, whatever, and, and they take away their asset. Um, just a really, really great issue. Um, not quite perfect, but I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men number 228 five out of six claws and pretty strong five out of six claws. I, I enjoyed this issue a lot. Um, much more than I remembered and much more than I thought I would you know when I got ready to read I was like oh great a mostly Dazzler story uh, finger gun me in the mouth no you know um, but no really enjoyed it surprise surprise so anyway that is a Wolverine year 14 part 1.5 and uh, we'll get to Wolverine Year Point Two next time with Cameron, or next flashback episode with Cameron. I'm looking really forward to that. I don't know if that'll be before or after the regular current May episode, but uh, we'll see kind of how that goes. Um, but anyway, that's that's the b- 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 bonus episode, the b- 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 bonus flashback episode. Um, as usual, like the Facebook page. Um, Twitter is at Snickcast. Email Snickcast eight. Yahoo.com and show notes and stuff, snickcast.podbean.com. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye and snacked.